0: I am joined with a very special co-host today, my friend, Kale. What's up, Kale? What's up? And today we have a special guest all the way from Atlanta, just touched down in LA, <laughs> Stefan Labossiere, otherwise known as Stefan Speaks. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for being here. I was telling you before we started that I have a list of goal guests, and you're one of them so I can check that box off. So happy you're here. I have four pages of notes for (laughs) you (laughs) because I don't think I've ever had a guest on here that I have so many questions for, so many topics I want to hit. But let me tell the people a little bit about your background. Relationship coach, author. I know I heard you on Lewis Howe's podcast a couple years ago, but I think I've been following you even before that. You have so many words of wisdom. You're just so enlightened. What drew you to this career?
1: It was God like I would have never in a million years chose this. Like to me, I'm real introverted. I'm very low key. So, having to engage with people all the time that wasn't something I would have ever wanted to make a part of my life on a regular basis. It was just what I felt God was leading me to. And it really started with writing the book and then it led to becoming the coach and then that led into speaking and going all over the place and speaking to different audiences and so i just kind of went where my spirit was telling me to go and that's how i got all the way here
0: amazing so you mentioned a book but you have several books now i'm holding one called love after heartbreak which i believe kale has read
3: Uh, that one and uh, he who finds a wife i've been following you for a while now about four years ago i was going through going through it Okay. <laughs> and then, you know, you know, as men, when we start going through stuff, we start trying to figure out, like, I yes. you know I can't stay in this space. Yeah. And then you popped up on the roommates. Oh. Okay. And I was watching that podcast, and I was like, "Yo, bro, really?" He feels me. <laughs> and then it just... And then I was also on my healing journey, so I'm life coaching as well. I'm more towards men and men's mental health. Oh, awesome. But you were actually one of the inspirations that actually got me. And she doesn't even know this. That got me into that mindset of like, "Yo, I've done the work. I'm doing the healing. Taking the courses." But yeah, so He Who Finds a Wife was one of those things because in my friends group, I'm the one that's always looking for love, but looking for it in the wrong, place. wrong demons. <laughs>
0: As I was telling you earlier, he's read the books. I've heard you on podcasts and I love your Instagram. Let's just get into all of my questions okay. for you. I'm, I'm here for this. This is what I'm
3: here for. I know her mind and I know you. And I was like, oh, I've got to be. Fine. For so.
0: <laughs> so I want to discuss the three C's. Okay, Okay. compatibility, chemistry, and connection. yeah. Because I think so many people have them confused. Mm -hmm. Connection, according to you, it's either there or it's not. Mm -hmm. Can you give us your thoughts on all three of those?
1: Okay, so yeah. So all three of those are, they play a role in relationships and dating. But as you said, a lot of people don't understand the differences and the varying importance of each one. So, compatibility to me is like low level. And you could look at it as most people go about compatibility from the standpoint of what makes sense logically as far as these two people should fit together. On so, paper. it's like, yes. So, it's like, okay, well, they're both from the same background. They should be compatible. They both like doing such and such. They should be compatible. So, compatibility is this logical explanation of this matches up. Now, by definition compatibility is two people being able to live in harmony with each other. So, when you look at it from that way it's extremely important and you have to have it. But again, think about like when you go on a dating site. They match people up by compatibility. Compatibility. But you can be compatible and still not get along. Facts. You know what I'm saying? Still not be able to have a great relationship together. So, that's why to me it's cool but it's at the bottom. Okay. Next level is chemistry. So, chemistry absolutely we need it, you know what I'm saying, you can't really go without chemistry in a relationship. But as you alluded to and I've mentioned in the past, you can build chemistry, you can lose chemistry. So, think about it from a sports team's perspective. Mm. They can bring players together, Mm. practice long enough and build team chemistry. But the minute someone starts to betray their teammates, they can break the chemistry, all right. So, again, it can come, it can go. But in relationships, why it's even more important to understand you can't just rely on chemistry is because if you're someone who gets along with people, you damn near have chemistry with everybody, So, all right? is that
0: different than the spark that people talk about?
1: Yeah, Yes, I think so, from my perspective, the spark can be varying things that people are using to the label of spark. So, basically what I'm saying is sometimes the spark is just the excitement and the fantasy of the situation. A butterfly. Exactly, what you're hoping for things to be everything looks good right now. So, there's this spark because you guys are both having this intense desire at this moment for each other. But again, it's just a spark it doesn't mean it's going to last, you know. You got to go deeper than a spark. You can have sparks with various people. Sometimes sexual energy is very strong between two people and that can lead to feeling like there's a spark. But again, that's not going to sustain a relationship. So, with chemistry you need it but because you can have it with so many different people it's not a deciding factor of who you should be with, all right. But it's a, an ingredient to a successful relationship. Then we get to connection. To me, connection is the ultimate that is your spirit recognizing its match as far as I'm concerned. And it, it goes so much deeper because with connection it's like we can be our true selves with each other and we still love it we still want each other. A lot of people they're riding off of the hype, the fantasy and the representative that was brought to the table during the dating process. Right. But they don't really like each other at their core. You lock those two people in the room, after a couple hours they're trying to get out. They can't stand each other for that long. They need distractions to be able to sustain this relationship. So, they start having kids, they start burying themselves in work. So, it's like I can handle this person in doses but full-time, nah. Because I don't have a connection like that. Would
3: you say that's why during COVID a lot of people didn't hell make it, yeah. <laughs> make it yeah. Hell yeah, hell <laughs> yeah.
1: COVID removed distractions for so many people a lot of people realize they don't like each other like nice. that, you know. But the problem is for a lot of couples depending on how much you've invested, if you have kids, even when you come to that realization you ignore it or you push past it because it's like it's too hard to walk away. So, ultimately with connection though, connection to me is like again, it's a rare experience. You don't experience that with everyone. So, it's a greater indicator if not the greatest indicator of this is the person you should be trying to make a relationship work with.
0: What are some examples of that connection? So, you mentioned, you know, it's a spiritual thing mm-hmm. and you're recognizing maybe you're equal or what What exactly would you say it feels
1: like? All right. So, I would definitely say not your equal but your perfect complement. Okay. All right, because in reality men and women are not equal and we're not here to be equal. We're here to balance each other out, all right. And so, the best relationships have balance in them, it's not about equality. And I think the, the, the perception of equality is not even what people think it is like it's not real like just to give a quick example people will say okay, we're equal so we're going to split the bills. And I always use the example of if one person is making 150 grand a year and the other partner is making 40 grand a year rent is a thousand dollars and y'all split it 500, 500. That's not equal because that 500 dollars is a way smaller percentage of that 150,000 dollars than it is to that 40. So, that 40 grand spending that 50, 500 dollars is making a way bigger sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So, that's not even really quality from the, you know, the smallest level of looking at it. But getting back to examples of connection. So, again, it's being able to be ourselves with each other. I think it's... When you experience it, you know it. I always say it's like an orgasm. Once you've had one you know no, what the hell it is. It is. Sad, but until yeah. you had one you may be well, is it this, is it that? Nah. once it happens you know because it's so intense, it's so much different from anything else you've experienced. For a lot of people the issue is that when they experience the connection they get scared.
3: Mm-hmm. It's
1: overwhelming yeah. and because people haven't healed they tend to run from that connection.
3: They're not sabotage ready it. Or
1: sabotage it, exactly. They question it, this can't be you know, it's too good to be true. All these different things. But it pulls out all your deeper insecurities, it pulls everything out of you. You know what I'm saying? So, And that's why it is so scary because a lot of people are trying to hide behind a wall and when you have a connection you can't hide behind that wall anymore. You feel emotionally naked with this individual. Right. They take you to a place yes. that nobody else can and that's how you know like this is it.
0: So, unless you're healed you're not ready to even accept that type Absolutely. of relationship. correct. So you mentioned how rare it is. Let's say someone did find it, they sabotaged it, it's gone, there's no chance of getting back with that person again. Can they find it again, or are they settling for the rest of their lives?
1: All right, so first let me say, I, I question when we say there's no chance, chance yeah, of getting no, no, listen, I have that in here. I was
3: going to ask about, you know, we always go back to that old thing. Let me tell point. you
1: in all my years of doing this I can't tell you how many times where I'm a firm believer that when there's a connection it almost always comes back around, all right. Now, the problem is by the time it comes back around what have we done to make this situation more difficult. So, we had babies elsewhere, we got married all these different things but it doesn't change the fact that the connection is still there because as, as we talked about earlier you can't break a connection it's either there or it's not. So, people when they have a connection and this is another sign of it they can go without speaking for 10 years, reunite, and it's like they don't miss a beat. It just falls right back into place. So one, there's always that possibility depending on what steps people are willing to take to Let's make say it. They happen. Died. Okay. So that's <laughs> <No chance. laughs> so, no well,
3: so, so morbid.
1: <laughs> so I, I do and I look at it from a spiritual perspective. I think once a person is truly that connection is removed or that person that you could have had it with or have it with is removed for whatever reason God will give you someone else. I don't think you're left with nothing.
0: So, there's not just one soulmate for everyone and then...
1: There's not... I I don't want to say there's just one but let me be careful how I'm saying that. Again, I think... So, let's put it this way. As long as they are alive the one is the one. Okay. People don't want to hear that people don't like that idea but it is what it is. Because most people yes, they marry and they marry someone they don't even have the strongest feelings for, Mm. all right. So, there is still a number one in their life whether they're with them or they're not. Once that person is gone can a new number one take its place? I do believe that can happen. But when people have this idea of well, there's billions of people in this world so, how can you say there's only one or even only two people I could possibly ever have this connection with? Well, here's the reality you're not going to meet billions of people. You, mm-hmm. Your your life, your world is smaller than the world we exist in, all right. so you may only come across let's just say a thousand people in your lifetime. Out of those a thousand there's only going to be a few if even a few that you actually really like like that. So, the reality (laughs) is that to feel that strongly about someone when you survey people it is very rare for them to say they have experienced it more than once. I've heard some people say twice I'll take them at their word I've never heard three. Have you? be experienced Experience a, i've experienced a connection before yes
3: but i think okay. that i think what we're missing in that part is that the connection he's talking about is so rare because i would you say that a lot of people convince themselves that there's this connection when it's really just an obsession or something like that yeah
1: i think people mislabel some of their situations as connection and that's how some people may start to believe where well, you can have many mm-hmm. because they don't understand no that was just never one in the first place you may confuse an attachment with a connection but it's not a connection. And also consider that connection has to flow both ways. It's not a one-way thing. So if you're right?
0: feeling it for someone and you think this is the one, but it's not mutual, you're wrong then. Or can, yeah. or is it a, a timing situation? Maybe that other person could come around? So
1: here's what I've I've seen. It's one thing for that other individual to not be embracing it as a connection. But they still feel mm-hmm. it that way towards you. Okay. They just don't want to accept it for what it is. But if they don't even feel that way towards you, there's nothing there, then no, there is no connection. That's an infatuation. That's an attachment. There's something else driving you to think this is for you right now when it really isn't. Now,
3: would would you say for men it's different? Because I know, I've always said, when we know as men, oh, we know. So, that's why I love your, your book. Just, you know what I'm saying? He's lying yeah. because as men, we know like what we feel and we know when it's just like settling. But it's a different type of feeling for men. But with women... It seems like they can grow into certain more levels of comfortability with men where it's like, we know if it's not it, it's not it. Like from, like damn near from jump.
1: So a few years back, I had an Uber driver and we were talking and he pointed out that though women have always been told the fairy tale uh, and that's, I'm using the word fairy tale as the way he phrased it, of the one, right? He said what he noticed is that men hold on to the idea of the one stronger mm-hmm. than women do. Oh, wow. But the reason why is because what I have seen is that when women see a man that they want they forget about connection. They forget about the things that they deep inside know about, they (laughs) understand. I would argue that women understand connection better than men. They understand the depths of it. However, when they see something that they want they lock in and that's it. They want this for whatever the Mm case may be. Whereas men, men can do the same thing but we are more likely that if we just don't feel it if we're accepting this woman we're not convincing ourselves that we're in love with this woman. We're just saying you know what, she's a good woman, she's been here so we're going to choose her but we're not acting like this is it. Where that woman because she has to feel like she has to validate this decision may try to convince herself and others that this is the one when she knows deep inside it isn't. And I'll give you one quick example every woman I've sat and talked with who's divorced will all admit to you or they admitted to me that they knew that man wasn't it before they married him. Mm-hmm. But they still convinced themselves and family members that this is the man they should marry. But they were never blind to it. It's just they got caught up in what they wanted so bad. And but what, I wonder what uh, that
0: man was thinking.
1: He, men, he knew. <laughs> well, but then why did he
0: go ahead No. With it?
1: So, here's the thing. Men... So, I don't want this to sound bad, but... <laughs> men are much more clueless in those situations. I feel like a lot of men can get fooled into marriage where women know exactly what they're walking themselves into, all right. But they may convince themselves otherwise. Because to the man he can get lost in his own infatuation. And again, because a lot of men, the average man does not understand connection and the depth of uh, being fully emotionally invested. he knows this man, this woman for whatever reason is the woman I'm choosing to be with. Sometimes he's infatuated with her beauty He's like, man, I could never get a woman like this and now he's he's stuck on her. You know, he's invested so much, whatever the case may be. But if she tells him, No, I wanna be with you, you're the one, a lot of men will just believe that. He will not he will be clueless to the fact that he's not really the one for her, but she's just choosing for her different reasons.
0: I've heard you mention that you think about eighty percent of couples are not experiencing a true connection maybe there's 20 percent out there that have that true connection let's say there's a couple that's together they've been together years and one person might finally be waking up and saying i've lost the spark or i've whatever it may be but it truly maybe it's the connection that they never had Mm -hmm. but let's say that other person they're not toxic in any way they're not mistreating the other person and they're like well i have it good with this person i don't want to hurt them but then they might come across their actual connection, what should they do? I mean, I would assume they should get a divorce, but how do you go about that? How do you know if you're just bored or if you are in the wrong relationship?
1: So here's the thing. A lot of people don't give the full depth of what's going on in their relationship to others. All right. So that same couple that says, oh, but we're good, even though I know there's no connection here go deeper and then you'll find out they haven't had sex for three months. Right. Go deeper and find out they don't really sit and talk about things. They've convinced themselves that because life seems good from the outside they should just be happy with what they have, all right. But they're not really truly happy they're just too afraid to let go of this. And they're too afraid to... You know, some for some people they are terrified of the idea of getting divorced. Because in their mind maybe it was I don't want to repeat what my parents did or you know, they have this image of what the family should look like and whatever it is that obsession with I have to keep this family together despite how miserable we might actually be. That you know, and they're not going to tell people that because they know if I tell you that I'm truly miserable you will try to convince me to get a divorce. So, I have to tell you that no, we're good and everything's fine. And the average human being is not going to ask a bunch of questions and keep poking and prodding. That's what I do for a living. So, I I get to find out things that other people don't know about. So, going back to your question of should they get a divorce? Unfortunately, yes. Because here's the thing, it's not going to get better. Right. You know, and again, from my standpoint as a coach and you've probably seen this. You know, most people's issues stem from childhood upbringing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or previous romantic relationships. That's where the heartbreak comes in, all right. So, when you keep two people together who are not best for each other it is going to almost always have a negative impact on on those children. So, you're not doing anyone any favors staying together. Yes, I would love for everyone to just be in the right relationship or the right marriage so we don't have to go through all these divorces, but some things have to be torn down to be real, rebuilt the right way.
0: Is it possible that they had, maybe not a connection, but had something great and just grew apart? Or were they with the wrong person the entire time? The
1: entire time. Listen. Wow. Because, again, people don't really do their homework. So, consider a few things. The majority of people don't even know who the hell they are before they get into a relationship. Facts. So, you can't properly determine and evaluate if this person fits into your life because you don't know what you really need. You know what you want and I always say wants can change but needs are consistent, all right. And so, and and when I say needs, needs in the sense of what we're going to need in a relationship to be happy and have longevity here. So, a lot of people don't know themselves to begin with and then a lot of people don't dive deep enough into their partner to find out if this person can really be what I need them to be? And can I be what they need me to be? So, a lot of people don't even know what their partner is expecting of them once they get married, before they get married. They're not asking the question of okay, what's your perception of a husband? What is going to be required of me? Down to the details and then you got people who are afraid to say what they really want. those questions. Exactly, even sexually. Sexually is one of the areas where a lot of people hold back their truth, all right. So, let's just say you're a guy and you want head every week, all right. That's your thing you love it, right. But you meet this wonderful, amazing woman, she's so beautiful, she's so this, she does everything, but she doesn't give it. Ain't now, listen, <laughs> ain't listen there's some dudes who I will God. feel like I can't pass this up for that. Or people will tell them oh, that's not a big deal, you're being shallow, whatever the case may be. So, he gets with her right, he's not getting any hit. He starts to get frustrated. That frustration starts to now show up in the way that he shows up for her sexually. He's not being as in tune, he's not pleasuring her as much. That makes her feel like well, okay, I'm not getting what I need so, I'm going to neglect you sexually. Now, we just up the frustration on his end. Now, that turns into an attitude outside the bedroom. You see, this is a domino effect. Right. People don't understand that most of the issues happening in relationships started at this root issue that they're ignoring that turned into something even bigger. Even when you mentioned when when people lose the spark. In the vast majority of cases, this is in my opinion, in the vast majority of cases when people say they lost the spark what they really mean is the attraction is not there like it used to be, and all right. What causes that? We People letting themselves go. But the reality is that again, people are shamed into not acknowledging that truth. Because oh, how dare you say your girl gained too much weight? How dare you say your man doesn't look like this anymore? It's like oh, you're ungrateful or oh, you're shallow. So, instead, people try to act like it's not a big deal when it is a big deal. Because again, if you'll have some women say well, I wouldn't leave a man if he gained X amount of pounds. Okay, great, you didn't leave him but you don't talk to him the way that you talk to him. You don't sex him the way that you used to sex him. You're not treating him the way he needs to be treated. So, now again, domino effect, he feels neglected, that turns into other issues and it just goes snowballs from there. So, people aren't always being as forthcoming as they need to be with what is lacking in the relationship, what they need, and and that's how we end up in situations that we don't don't even belong in because we don't do our due diligence.
3: And I, I think it also comes down to, like you said at the beginning, people are afraid to be themselves from jump and actually yes. ask these questions because I see this goal that I want that I want to get. No matter if it's like, hey, there's some things within that that we haven't done enough vetting to where I can discover like, oh, this isn't go- this isn't going to work. Exactly. But we'll say these things like, hey, I can make this work. And I think that's what a passive aggressiveness comes for in relationships. Mm. Now, there was something you said on one of yours that has something to do with what you were talking about where you said and it comes to why people stay in certain situations. And you spoke about women, they're more attached to the investments.
1: Yeah. So, it's driven by the fact that, you know, people don't like when I say women are more emotional than men. All right. Or I think maybe a better word to say is more emotionally driven. Mm. Okay. Meaning emotions impact their decision-making at a higher degree than emotions impact men's decision-making, okay. So, when you feel like you've given so much of yourself, time, energy, your body, all these things, emotionally you want a return on investment. And that happens even in the business world. There are people who go down with a sinking ship because they put all this money and time Mm -hmm. into it even though it's a bad business, it was a bad decision. And wisdom says you have to just cut bait, keep it moving and accept your losses. But when you are emotionally invested and emotions drive you or they, they impact the way you look at things you have a harder time detaching from it and you, a harder time accepting okay, it's a loss, walk away, be done. Because they'll say well, men are more emotional than women. No, 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 men may tend to have more emotional outbursts than women. So, um, when people think men are more emotional they're thinking about how men get super angry and super overly passionate and aggressive. But that's because men suppress so much that when it finally comes out it comes out strong. But that doesn't mean they are more emotionally driven than women are and it's a biological thing because more estrogen creates more emotions, all right. Like if you, if you start injecting estrogen into a man he will start to cry more he will start to be more sensitive like this is just biological fact and so women have more energy than men so naturally they are more emotionally impacted than men are but the uh, wrap up answering your question yet yeah, that part of it makes it harder for women to, to detach once they've given so much to the situation.
0: Would it be fair to say if someone were to go through a healing process they would no longer stay in a relationship like that And so, anyone who is in a relationship with the wrong person, is that an indication that they have some healing to do?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I will say I think for some people there may be some exceptions to that simply because for example, you have men who are afraid to walk away because of the financial ramifications of walking away. So, it may not even be that he's emotionally holding on or you know, attached or whatever. It's just damn, I don't know if I want to let go of half of what I got right now. Whatever It is for wherever he's living, you know, because it's different rules for different states. Yeah. So, other than those exceptions, yes, in the vast majority of cases, it is a lack of healing that's contributing to why they are still there.
0: So, you mentioned about making a list, the who hurt you list. Yes. I love this. (laughs) This is right up my alley. So, can you tell the listeners what's that about and give them some tips on how to actually do this for themselves?
1: Okay. So, the who hurt me list is step one in my healing process. And essentially all it is is that you're getting a piece of paper, you're writing down who hurt me, you ask yourself that question and anyone who comes to mind write them down. Doesn't matter how long ago it happened, doesn't matter if you think you're over it. If they come to mind there's some kind of significance there. Put their name down, a couple sentences of what they did to hurt you just to kind of get the list going. The key is don't try to hold back, don't try to overthink just ask yourself the question and see what comes out. A lot of people would be shocked to see who makes the list because they've been suppressing it for so long they don't even realize it's, it's weighing on them. It's just at the very far back of mm-hmm. your mind. But when you ask that question it's like you call everything up to the front. And now this allows you to create this list where you can now identify where your hurt is. Because so many people are just used to letting life distract them and ignore the fact that they are hurting. But when you have this list, it provides structure to the healing process and a foundation that we can work from and now start to address all the things that's been lingering within you.
3: We had somebody on our podcast who's a hypnotherapist. Mm. And I didn't know this fact at all, but we run 88% subconsciously. So, all that hurt and trauma Mm -hmm. is running your life as you move through, because you're only consciously moving at 12%. So. I think I use more of my brain than that. I, mean, well, have you, I think Jamie I, I would have one that. person on the who hurt you list. Because I think once she's gotten to that, it's just, she's cold. No,
0: I've, done this, I've done this exercise. How, how many this there? I don't recall. But Ooh. I've done it throughout my life, not even knowing that this is something that mm, you suggested. That's, that's, that's why I was like, this is right up my alley. Like I just knew intuitively I needed to get this out of me. And then... Step two, which I've also done writing the letters. I've never sent them though. So, this is what I really <laughs> to think about. Okay, so step
1: two is... Well, step two is writing the letter. But even that, so when we write the letter there's two drafts. Because here's what people forget. A lot of times people write a letter and they're trying to find the right words, all right. They're trying to take the right approach, quote, unquote. But you have to view this from the standpoint of this is a chance to emotionally detox yourself you have to get all the negativity out of your system. You can't do that by trying to play nice in your letter because some people hate that person. Some people want to say I wish you were dead. (laughs) And you know what, that's perfectly fine. If that's how you feel you need to write it it out. out. So, the first draft is your chance to get all that raw emotion, all that negativity, all your your deep down truths out.
0: No one's going to see this one.
1: Exactly, no one's seeing that one, all right. We're not sending that one, but that is your detox. Then we have a second draft that we clean up. We still send the same message but there's a way to express that message. The purpose of the second draft isn't only because we will be talking about sending it but it's also to help people learn how to express yourself in a less negative manner. Because one of the big problems in relationships is that people feel like well, I told them what I I didn't like. No, you yelled at him, you argued with him, you attacked him and him to her. No one's going to be receptive when that's the way you're coming at them. You have to learn how to express yourself in a way that people can receive what you're saying. So, the second draft of the letter helps you practice that, you know what I'm saying. But also yes, in 99% of the cases I'm going to tell you to send that letter. If it's like a parent, someone you still have contact with, things of that nature, I do believe that sending it is important.
0: What if the thought of that gives you anxiety? (laughs)
1: <laughs> that means you still got some stuff to get out of your system. <laughs> all right. What if you don't want
0: to hurt, let's say it's a mother. Okay. You don't want to hurt them.
1: All right. How so do you navigate that? What's so it's hurting you. you. And there you go. One, it's hurting you. Two, I've heard this millions of times. And I tell people all the time, you can't let that stop you. Because one, as he just mentioned, as Kel just said, you are hurting yourself if you keep holding on to it. So, you're defeating the whole purpose of this. We're not truly resolving matter. That's why you'll have people say, well, I did heal, but they still coming off with all this negative energy because you didn't get everything out, you see. You haven't fully freed yourself from this. But also understand that our perception of hurt, good, bad isn't always accurate. Mm -hmm. So, what if I told you that yes, you will hurt her But in hurting her, you will awake her to things that she's never realized about herself. And now, the things that she needs to heal from will come to the forefront and it will set her free. So, it will be the best thing that could have happened to even your mother after reading it. You see? So, what we perceive as oh, but it's bad, I'm going to hurt. No, don't even think like that. Just do what you're supposed to do. Speak your truth. So, you know how they say in scripture the truth shall set you free. It sets a lot of people free. So, you will set yourself free and you may indeed set your mother free. So, I've had situations where people were terrified of sending it to their mother, their father, whatever. Only to have it set up an even better relationship with their mother than they could have ever imagined.
0: That's the ideal, yeah. Yes. I mean, are we writing letters to everyone on that list? How do you determine who gets the letter, who doesn't?
1: Well, I always say, you know, depends... Some people's lists are super long. I've had people had 50 people on the list before. Damn. I don't expect someone to write 50 letters. <clears throat> I think what will happen in most cases is that when you take care of the main characters, everything else... It's like your eyes just open in a way that you're now at peace with the other situations. So, parents will always be you, you got to write the, the letter. There's no way around that. Ex-lovers will always be, you got to write the letter, all right? So even basically, if they
0: don't respond.
1: Even if they don't respond. Because again, you're doing this for you. You setting yourself free. You, you speaking your piece. How they respond is not important. It's only icing on the cake so to speak.
0: Is it possible that them not responding could damage you further though?
1: Only if you're going about it Worrying about what they have to say. To, again, it's about your mindset going into this approach. So what I when I tell people to do these things, I'm saying, listen, we're doing this so that you can release yourself from how you're feeling. So that you can have the peace of knowing, you know what, I said what I need to say. There's nothing else to do. And I'm I'm moving forward. And I'm burning done. Burning
0: that letter doesn't have the same effect as actually sending it.
1: Not when that person is still around to be that you cause because here's one of the problems. Let's just say it was a parent, or let's say it was a sibling right. And you say, all right, well, I'm going to send them the letter, let me burn it. But you run into them next Thanksgiving, they never knew how you felt. And now they do things again that just repeat the cycle and we're back to square one and feeling even worse. The thing that the letter does with people that we're going to run across again is that it puts them on notice, all right. Because whether we realize it or not a lot of people are not aware of how they impacted your life. You might think well, of course, they know they did all these horrible things. Hurt people hurt people and they are blind to their actions because what they did to hurt you was a defense mechanism in most cases. So, to them they, don't, they didn't process the hurt they did to you and they don't want to accept it because now they have to look at themselves in the mirror and say damn, I was messed up. Instead, they've, they've compartmentalized it in a way that says oh, it was, it was no big deal. So, now when you're able to express this to them and they realize damn, perfect example. I had a woman she had a uh, situation with her baby's father and he was like a tyrant to her. Curse her out, treat her poorly, it was just a very toxic situation. I told her to write the letter she was like nah, you don't understand my baby's father it's not going to work. I'm not doing (laughs) it blah, blah, blah. I'm like yo, just trust me just do the letter, right, and send him the letter. She finally listened, she sent him the letter. This is a true story. Two days after sending him the letter He calls her from his bathroom having a breakdown in tears and he says, I never realized how bad of a person I was.
0: Wow, and it's because it was in a way that he could receive it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, we have to understand that in most situations people are trying to express themselves verbally and they don't realize that when they express themselves verbally they're usually coming off in a negative tone, coming off attacking. So, that other person can't receive what you're saying in a letter they now have to sit down, read. It gives them a chance to actually receive what you're saying simply because there's no rebuttal right now. See, when I'm talking to you I'm thinking about how I can respond to this. I'm trying to make a comeback, I'm trying to throw things back at you. When there's a letter there is no instant reflex to Mm -hmm. do that. So, the only thing left for him to do is to take it in even more. So, now it hits them deeper, you see what I'm saying? And and it pierces them a lot more than it would if you try to talk to them or again, if you have arguments with them. So, that's why for a lot of people it can be very eye-opening. Now, it doesn't mean everyone's going to respond this way. Don't get me wrong, you're going to have some people who will lash back out. But don't worry about that either. It's about you doing what you need to do so that you can finally be healed. And
3: what a letter does is it removes the static. I know for me, uh, when me and my partner are in that situation we're trying to discuss something. Even if she's trying to be positive, she cuts me off. It's like all of a sudden static, Mm -hmm. right? So I've even said like, hey, let's do a fishbowl. So when we're feeling some type of way, put in there. That way you can read it and receive it. So, I mean, I think you should write those letters. Me? (laughs) You should send them. You should send them.
0: No, I'm all for healing in all aspects. Do you think it's a journey? I mean, is anyone ever fully healed? Yes. Really?
1: Yes. Really? Yes. I think there's always a potential for being hurt again. But you can be healed from what you've already experienced. I also think that once you heal from what you've experienced, things don't hurt you the same anymore. Yeah. All right? You can take the hit a lot better. But a lot of people can't take the new hit because they never got over the last hit. You know what I'm saying? They're still hurting from before. So, it's it's just now throwing more salt in the wound. But once you heal the wound up, it doesn't affect you the same way anymore.
0: And then those people, what I've noticed from my own personal experience is... From my last relationship, it was heartbreaking. I noticed he jumped right into something else. And through the grapevine, I hear that he's continued to do that and not Mm. taken any time to heal or reflect or anything. I've kind of noticed this, and I don't know if I'm generalizing, but I feel like men kind of just move on to the next one to get over the last one, and they're never really healing. And not to say that all women are healing too, because even if they take time off, like I've heard you mention, if they're not actually putting in any work, then they're just taking a year off of dating and they're not going to be improving exactly. on anything
3: either I've, I've noticed that with women you guys are slower to move in that whereas men we try to distract ourselves in, and again it's, it may come back to him talking about emotions right we don't naturally know how to handle the emotions the way you guys do i would say yeah so having to sit in that for us makes that hard so it's easier to jump into something else and have it numb like a lot of times what we do as men in general whether it's drinking smoking jumping into another relationship you're numbing what you need to be healing over i mean what yeah. would you say on no,
1: that? no i agree Absolutely, a lot of men don't know how to deal with their emotions. Some situations, I hate saying this but it's just the truth, sometimes because the guy was never really invested in that relationship to begin with. Yeah. That woman was way more into him than he was into her. Mm -hmm. So, to him it's nothing to move on like it's like all right on to the next situation I'm good. So, it's a combination of those things. But I think though men and women handle it differently on the surface going deeper they're both not healing. Like you'll hear a lot of women say well, we're out here doing the work we're going to counseling and you know, these men though they're not doing it. Okay, yes, you're doing the surface work and I applaud the effort to go to counseling. But a lot of women go to counseling and all they end up doing is venting, all right. Mm. They're not actually resolving anything. I can't tell you how many times I've had a client who came to me after two years of going to a therapist and you got the same issue. Nothing has improved in two years. So, that says to me like again, I applaud you for taking the steps and I do think that women are much more willing to seek assistance and take the, the, the surface steps to try to get something done. But the actual work being done to where it's being resolved, both sides are not handling that situation properly.
0: How should they be handling it?
1: Going to counseling but understanding that counseling is about resolving and healing not about just talking and coping. So, a lot of counselors and again, this can happen with coaches or counselors. Unfortunately, the system for a lot of people is built on how long can I get you to keep coming back here so I can keep making this money. Yeah. So, it's like medicine. A lot of medicine is not to, to cure you it's to just help you manage the situation. I need you to keep buying these pills. So, as a consumer you have to be aware of okay, am I actually resolving anything? If I've been with this coach or counselor for three months What's the real progress here other than learning how to manage and cope? Because learning how to manage and cope is just suppressing, that's all it is. You're suppressing. I have a philosophy when I was... Because I I went on hold with coaching for a while. When I was doing it, I was trying to get you in and out as quickly as possible, you know what I'm saying? Now, if you want to keep coming to me for other new stuff, cool. But I want to try to get you resolved as quickly as possible. It didn't make any sense to have you coming here over the same thing over and over. The only times that I could think of where it extended past where I thought it should have was because they would not listen to me. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're coming, you're again, you're getting some kind of relief from being able to talk to me, but I'm giving you instruction, you're not following it.
0: That concludes part one of the interview with Stefan Speaks. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Special thanks to Kale for co hosting at Kale Ramsey Ackerson, and that's K A E L. Another special thanks to at destination.channel for allowing us to use the studio space. We got some great video footage, which I will be putting up on Instagram and YouTube shortly. Come back next week for part two with Stefan Speaks. Go ahead and give him a follow now. And that's at Stefan Speaks on Instagram. It's an amazing account. One of my favorites. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have an amazing week. We will also be back next week with Stefan's song choice. Love you. Bye.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash.